You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today we have with us Swapna Little. who's done Shahjahanabad mapping a Mughal city um she's uh, the visual curators are Pr- Pramod Kapoor and Sneha Pamneja but Swapna has written the book and it's it's really lovely Swapna so like a treat you know this the maps and one never thought maps would look i mean you know maps are maps <laughs> but maps also the way you've written the book the maps kind of reveal uh, make you think about all the people who make the city so let's start with why did you decide to do this you know why did all the three of you like you know you mentioned it in the book but for the listeners uh thank you manjula uh, uh, well maps are maps but maps are fascinating because they are such a wonderful insight into spaces we inhabit and not only that as to how people perceive those spaces people who made those maps what did they think etc but to get back to your question of how this map really happened i think uh, we've come at it the contributors to this book have come to it from different ends pramod uh, kapoor had in roli books that was an earlier roli publication which had included this map it was edited the book was edited by jp losty and yes. it was called delhi red fort rising and it had a whole uh, uh, partly labeled version of this map that was published there without too much of any commentary on it but mm-hmm. uh, pramod kapoor was even at that time he had this in mind that at some point he would publish this map incidentally this map is it's an enormous map of what we call old delhi today yes yes shah jahanabad the mogal yes. city and yes. it is in the british library okay. and that is where pramod kapoor had seen it and he had at that point thought that at some point he wants to do a, have somebody do a proper study of the map now mm. as it happened and completely separately from that i when i was doing my phd on uh, this period in delhi which is the first half of the 19th century during which this map actually is made also mm. i had uh, i had been looking at, this was one of the sources uh, that i was referring to and i had got mm. myself a digital copy of the map from the british library to examine and to look at and so it was a coming together of these two interests my interest in delhi of that period and uh, pramod kapoor's interest in this map specifically as a amazing piece of uh, cartography as a piece of art it's it's a beautiful map yes yes it's a lovely map i mean it looks like uh, like you said it looks like a work of a work of art but the person who i mean, is quite funny with the the person who's created the map the kind of some of the uh, eccentricities of the creator of the map you've also pointed out you know the like somebody who's not a historian would not catch that at all you know uh, like calling what was that calling the residency raj dandi or whatever <laughs> things like that i kind of laughed at that so you know things like that so uh, you pick you've picked up on all those things so who do you think was the creator of the- of the of the map you know was it one person was it a you know it's uh, interesting and you know uh, let me start with one thing that you mentioned that uh, a historian can pick up on these things yes and i must say that in some uh, in a way this was a happy coincidence that mm-hmm. this map uh, that i have studied this map i'll tell you why because mm-hmm. i have uh, a very peculiar kind of knowledge in this area mm. a combination of different things one is a uh, intimate knowledge of the history of this period as i said yes. i did a phd thesis on the history of this period the second is a uh, actual ground level familiarity with the space as it exists mm. i'm very familiar with old delhi i have yes. led walks there for more than two decades i am you know at least once a month i am there walking in some lanes or streets that you know uh, so mm. i i'm very very familiar with this so it it was all those things that kind of combined for me so i could identify those spaces uh, accurately 
But yes, the person, we don't know who this map we can attribute to, apart from the fact that it seems that it was definitely commissioned by the administration of its time, which was the East India Company's administration in Delhi. And uh, it's obviously for administrative purposes, because there's a huge mm -hmm. amount of detail, for instance, in the sort of making clear the administrative boundaries between uh, two thanas, two administrative divisions, for instance, in the map. Uh, and of course, that amount of work, the mapping of the city in that detail uh, would have required a considerable outlay of money to do that, of personnel to do that. So uh, when I talk about the map maker, actually, I'm talking about the person I see reflected in the map is somebody who's writing the inscriptions etc but it has to have been a team because yes. there are people who are doing the surveying there are people who are um, doing the actual drawing as i said this is a very beautiful piece of art because yes. many of the prominent buildings are very beautifully drawn as well so this is not mm. uh, somebody who doesn't have the, that expertise so somebody it's for a team of people who are actually drawing this and then mm. of course uh, the pe person who labels this now the labels are very interesting because it does uh, say uh, uh, tell us something about this guy he uses a completely phonetic approach when he's talking about mm. uh, words which are either um, not only english but even uh, farsi words even Persian words. Uh, he uses, uh, so he's not somebody who is uh, very well uh, educated in Persian or English. Mm. Uh, is his uh, first, uh, the languages in which he is educated are probably um, Hindi or Urdu, mm. and, and those are the languages he's most familiar with. So he takes a very phonetic approach to the writing of the labels. Uh, the, so, so hence, this very important place in the map, which is the residency building. This is where the British resident used to live, is mm. rendered by him Koti Rajidandi. So uh, <laughs> that is an interesting uh, little... Uh, it is so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, you point out how he uh, doesn't call it Bauli, he calls it Baudi, the step wells. So clearly he's not maybe from Delhi itself. He's a name, you know, he's moved to Delhi for work or whatever, you know. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, he is uh, maybe from Haryana, maybe from Rajasthan. Rajasthan. Those are areas in which, uh, the, you know, you uh, say Baudi instead of yes. Baudi. It's the yes. Dilli wala who says Baudi. Uh, yes. And uh, also, I think a, a lot of people, of course, were used to come to Delhi for employment because it was mm. a center of administration. And uh, also people came here for education, as indeed they come today as well. So yes. there was the Delhi College where mm. uh, uh, we had a mix of so-called uh, indigenous education and uh, Western learning. So these yes. uh, map making, you know, these kind of things uh, were probably uh, something that was learnt at uh, a place like the college. Uh, so it is, we can speculate that this may be uh, a place where somebody coming from outside, having studied here, uh, then uh, it joins the administration or is commissioned by them to make this map. Mm, so interesting. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's just like what it's today, I guess, you know, in many ways. So, uh, but tell me, you know, also, you've mentioned, uh, now, before I forget, like to like we you know said before we started the conversation today is 166th uh, anniversary of um, you know of the mutineers of first war of independence marching into delhi right so i mean they marched in on 11th may 1857 so so it's like precisely 166 years yes i think it's uh, this map actually from the point of view of 1857 it is very important and uh, the reason I say that is because this map, which was made sometime around 1846-47, and we can infer that from uh, certain buildings which are there, uh, this map actually shows us a city that was profoundly changed by 1857. Yes. Because 18, after 18, 1857 was... Uh, you know, everybody knows that there was this great revolt against British rule. Delhi was a major center of that revolt. 
And uh, after that revolt was suppressed by the British and the British reconquered the city after about four months of independent rule, uh, mm -hmm. they came and uh, after that recapture of the city, you have a situation where large parts of uh, very important parts of the city were demolished. Things like the majority of the buildings within the Red Fort were demolished. Large parts of uh, the city like second largest mosque, Akbarabadi Mosque, Masjid, mm -hmm. that was demolished. Jahanara, Sarai and Chowk, which was the original Chandani Chowk of the city. We call the street Chandani Chowk now, but it was actually just a chowk, a square. So mm -hmm. that uh, chowk was demolished. So, so much has changed that this map is really an un invaluable look at that city as it was before the destruction of 1857. So it, it's fascinating to look, for instance, at the Red Fort. What were the spaces? Mm -hmm. For instance, one of the things which people often say is, where was the Mina Bazaar? Because the Mina mm -hmm. Bazaar is in the Red Fort is one of those things where people talk about, uh, you know, the Mughal women used to, uh, it was a bazaar which was specifically for the Mughal women inside yes. the fort. Um, yeah. it, was a, it was private because there were no strange men there, etc. So that the map shows us very clearly where that Mina Bazaar, for instance, was. Mm. So it shows us so many of the buildings that have now disappeared. So yes. uh, th that's what makes it an uh, amazing source of information. And of course, what I have, what has also been done in the book is that there is some effort to bring in other maps as well. So, for instance, yes. for the fort, there is a amazing map which was made somewhere, probably in the middle of the. 18th century or the mm -hmm. earlier part of the 18th century, which was made in Jaipur by a Jaipur map maker. And yes. that is uh, also been put in there because that uh, kind of supplements this uh, map. And mm -hmm. it gives us a little greater insight into what this map represents. There are wonderful plans of the main streets. One is that what we call now the Chandni Chowk Street in front of the Red Fort. Mm. And these were made also in the 18th century for a Frenchman. And mm. they are in the Victoria Albert Museum. They have been included because they show us a slightly different picture from what our map shows us, the British Library map. So it's uh, really, it is mapping Shah Janabad. It's looking at these wonderful uh, different sources and trying to uh, uh, put together what the city was. And of course, with uh, also rich detail, I think, uh, which has been put in of buildings that were there and people. That is, uh, I think, uh, you know, who who were the people who are mentioned in the map? What There are Havelis that are mentioned. One thing with a map with this much detail is that you actually get, you get not only street names, but some of the bigger estates, the bigger Havelis, they are labeled also, often with the owner's names. So mm -hmm. since I am familiar with the history of that period, I could assign... Uh, identities to a lot of those names, give brief descriptions of who these people were, uh, you see living in these places. And I was thinking, you know, uh, like, um, there's very, you know, your last book also deals with the same period, right? So when I'm, 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 I've read that, and I was reading this, and in my head, I'm making references between the two works, you know, so that was also very interesting. So let's talk about that, you know, this seems like a map version, like you can read both the books together, you know, of course, this has this Indeed. visual element as well. Indeed, they, they supplement each other. So yeah. when you hear of a certain, uh, say, uh, a certain merchant, yeah. Sagunchand. Sagunchand, yeah. I tell you where Sagunchand lived, where yeah. his uh, father built this great temple. Harsukrai built his temple. And I mm. show you that on the map. Uh, yes. And uh, I mentioned them briefly. And of course, the map book being what it is, I can only mention briefly who they were. But mm. when you go back to the uh, book, when you go to the book, there you learn their histories and what happened to them and uh, what was going on in their lives at that point. Or uh, Begum Samru, for instance, Begum Samru's yes. house, how they, how she built two houses, one in Churiwala and one in, uh, and one in uh, just off the Chandni Chowk Street. So you hear of all these people. The other very fascinating person, according to me, was Manuel de Remau. And he was from a Portuguese uh, family who had been settled in Delhi for several generations. And when the British had come into 
Delhi first in 1803. He he was a military man, but he soon after retired and he continued to live in Delhi and he had some business interests as well. So I've talked about him in uh, the broken script. And when you look at the map, you can see that where his house was, where he had some shops and katras. And uh, lastly, there is this, it's amusing, you might might find it amusing that I actually went looking for this Haveli to see if it had still survived. So I went to uh, this area, which is called Chidakhana, and I went looking for the Haveli and I found it. Or rather, I found only the very grand gateway i didn't find the actual haveli it's been demolished but mm. the grand gateway and you'll be abused to know that it is now called man mahal ki haveli <laughs> it's called man mahal ki haveli and you look at the map and it says man haveli manual sahab so you, obviously it is manual sahab's haveli which is now man mahal ki haveli man mahal gosh yeah. <laughs> how manual is transformed into man mahal <laughs> One thing I must uh, really uh, tell you, which again, I think uh, not many people, it, it, it seems hard for us to believe this, but this map, and I can assure you because I'm very interested in maps, this map is a better way of finding places in Shah Jahanabad, even today. Really? Google Maps, Ica Maps, nothing is a patch on it. Nothing can give you the kind of detail that this map can even today. So even today, if you want to find certain gullies, etc., I would say I would refer to this because (laughs) otherwise it's impossible. Nobody gives that accuracy of detail as this map does. And of course, old Delhi is full of all these little gullies and it's like so complicated. And you know, when you uh, when you say that now this place is now uh, what is now today Parathe Wali Gali and I was like, oh, you know, so I, I found, I mean, like while I was reading it, I was constantly uh, referring to my memory of the place and, you know, having walked there and trying to uh, make those references. So let's talk about that, you know, that that adds a layer of, I mean, richness to it. Yes, I uh, I have referred, I mean, again, the text obviously is about the map and the city it shows uh, as it existed in 1846. But I do try and uh, I've made incidental references to the situation as it exists today, though not very much. But yeah. uh, anybody who is interested in today's Delhi, uh, today's old Delhi, today's Shah Janabad, and... Uh, is familiar with some parts of it will find this very interesting because yes. they, they will you will find the history of a lot of these places through this map yes. so uh, those those uh, connections are very interesting so i i've also for me uh, change I, i'm a historian so change is very important and i've tried to also point out in this map that even the city it shows us is a city that has been changing it is not an unchanged city from uh, Shah Jahan's time, though founded in Shah Jahan's time, how places have changed. So what used to be a Haveli, a large uh, private you know, estate like the Haveli Heather Kuli, uh, which mm. was actually a, a nobleman's estate, has even by that time changed into a, a mohalla, mm. which you see today also. So that aspect of change and how uh, the city is a changing evolving thing uh, yeah. comes out i think in the book as well yeah and you know i found it fascinating that um, you, you know you make a reference to how you know um, jat wada and all those places are maybe the wada was added to it because of the uh, because of the marathas and because marathas ruled uh, uh, you know in the name of the mughal emperor for uh, for many years in delhi so I, I mean i didn't know that so that was like a fascinating aspect uh, of it you know how various different people brought their own you know naming conventions to the city cities localities yes you know? indeed uh, you know uh, the during maratha the maratha rule it's mm. evidently it's during that time that places like jatwara jogiwara maliwara these these mm. uh, uh, names come in uh, also one thing that i think uh, is will contribute to our understanding of mughal town planning also this map does Mm. that. Because when you look at this map and when you uh, put it in the context of 
certain textual sources. And I've written an introduction within the book, which mm-hmm. talks about uh, how we have to read this map together with certain important sources, like there's an important text, which also uh, a translation of that I had annotated at once upon a time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Serul Manazil, and it is a description of yes. the city in the 1810s. And uh, when we look at that, it kind of gives us a good idea of what Mughal town planning was. And one of the points that I try to make is that the those who are making this map, obviously, they are delineating administrative units, which are thanas. There are 12 thanas in the city, uh, apart from the fort, which is separate. But uh, this whole idea that there is this Mughal, uh, there's this Muslim Islamic city town plan with mohallas, which are self-contained units. There is uh, segregation between different communities, etc. That is something or different uh, common sort of occupational groups or social groups etc and i uh, through using the map and using the text try to show how that may not be strictly true there is a lot more heterogeneity and a mixed not only mixed land use but a lot of mixing of different uh, categories of people within the city Uh, yes no hard and fast rules can be Yes, yes. And you know, at some parts, I was thinking this is very much like, uh, uh, like our RWAs now, when uh, people trying to, uh, I mean, a one lane having its own, uh, you know, thing going on and the parking outside in a specific space. I was like constantly thinking, I mean, things in many ways, the way human beings kind of live in urban agglomerations hasn't changed really, maybe, you know. I, I can like, you know, when you're saying that uh, this specific area was where all the carriages or whatever were parked and how like, yeah, and how Aurangzeb widened this gate because of traffic jams. And I think these are not contemporary issues. <laughs> Clearly, they have been issues yes. forever, you know, yeah. which is like, I was a nice insight to get from a book, you know. Yeah. So the the parking issue you were talking yes, about uh, yes. that area there is a particular area in the Delhi right just inside the Delhi gate of the Red Fort where all the ruts used to be parked of all the princes and uh, royal fam- members of the royal family etc uh, mm. so there there is an interesting cross reference in the broken script where I talk mm. about how Bahadur Shah who was having a lot of conflict with his own extended family one of yes. the points of uh, was that they used to park their park their ruts very badly in that lane and he actually had to go to the British commander of the palace guard and he complained to him that please do something because they are parking very badly over there. Those conflicts over parking were there then also and poor Padur Shah Zafar, the last Mughal emperor also had to found himself helpless to deal with this kind of problem. Delhi's perennial parking problems. <laughs> they are not new, clearly. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine even these people coming to blows because of bad parking, <laughs> you know. So, anyway. So, that, so those sort of things make, makes it very, I mean, apart from the fact that it's a very beautiful book to look at, and, you know, the, the maps and the pictures, you know. It's really, I mean, you can keep gazing at the book, but also... All the little, little things that come out, like, you know, I mean, um, yeah, this is obs- obsessive RWAs of today. Definitely that. And also, uh, you know, I was wondering about about the fa- the Fares, uh, uh, what, Fares Canal? What, what was it yes. called? Yes. Yeah, let's yes. talk about Fares. that, you know. Uh, the, water, the water systems, the water systems that this shows us, are quite fascinating, actually. The mm. we have no because nothing survives of it really. There yeah. was this channel of water which was an offshoot of the Western Yamuna Canal, and yeah. that comes in uh, through the Kabuli Darwaza. It comes okay. in through the Kabuli Darwaza. It's a channel of water, and it soon divides into two branches. One goes mm. down the main street from mm. right from Fatehpuri Masjid down to the Red Fort. And the other one goes through the major gardens. The gardens are in the northern part of the city and they mm. go through the gardens. And when you look at the 
map it shows us such fascinating details around this uh, this nahar where it enters the garden where it comes out of the garden there are little pools on top of the nahar little bridges on top of the nahar it points wow. those out it mm. talks about ghats next to the uh, yes nahar so you know there yes. there are actually ghats next to the nahar the fact that there are panchakis water mills which are mm. on the nahar there, there are hammams you know which are obviously drawing water probably from the nahar as, as well so mm. there are all these you, things you, which are water related mm-hmm. which you see here mm-hmm. and uh, it it's interesting one of the major estates of shahjanabad of the period which is the estate of the nawabs of awadh mm. it has which is near the kabuli darwaza it is split down the middle by this nahar so most of its big palaces are actually built along this nahar so that that must have been a fascinating thing but of course much of that is now destroyed it was it was demolished to bring the railway line in but yeah. again one of the things i did was as soon as i saw this i went exploring to see what was left of that nawab of awadh's estate there are mm. a few gateways left but mm. that's about it water was significant and of course the other thing that the map shows us is the drainage system yes yes Yes. it shows us drains uh, where the drains uh, come out how the drains are along the wall the outer mm. wall of course it doesn't show us the lay, uh, the but there were major drains along major streets so okay. that water could drain out so shah jahan had built a major drainage system for the city but mm. even uh, by the time this map was made many of those drains were uh, not in working order they hadn't oh. been maintained very well we okay. have another source for this uh, sayyad ahmed khan who wrote a book mm-hmm. uh, sir mm-hmm. sayyad sir uh, sayyad in the 1840s again and he wrote mm-hmm. a book and he said that those all those sewers he calls them badar roz and uh, those are all uh, now choked up and not working properly so okay. it shows us these interesting details hmm and the nehar itself what happened i mean you know let's talk about what happened to the nehar you know the nehar was a little problematic because uh, it required continuous maintenance in its mm-hmm. upper reaches much before it entered delhi to maintain mm-hmm. that flow of water it needed constant desilting and all those things that mm-hmm. maintenance and every time delhi went through a period of uh, particularly whenever there was any the the government was not looking into it it would silt up and the water would stop so mm-hmm. this had happened in fact even in the 18th century so when the british came to delhi in 1803 they found that the nehar was dry and mm-hmm. they wanted to revive it and their main aim in reviving it is not so much to bring water to delhi but to make sure that uh, it would provide water for irrigation in outside the walls of the city mm-hmm. so they had actually big, uh, they had uh, restored it and water actually entered delhi also in the early 1820s so that was the nehar but the nehar again the water was always uh, a little dicey because depending on how much water is being taken off for irrigation etc it would water was very uncertain in it and definitely after the revolt of 1857 they decided that it was too much of an effort to keep this running through the city so they bricked up bricked up the channels of water inside the city also and mm. it stopped forever oh how sad because I, it, it like from the pictures it's fascinating it looks lovely you know to see the water i was just imagining wonder where this was flowing through and another thing is that the martello towers wow that was a I, you know i didn't know the whole story behind it so let's talk about that yeah. you know so the map shows us uh, a ma- a couple of martello towers and mm-hmm. it actually names one of them also and it gives uh, it gives it an indian name it calls it burjnal burjnal burj means tower and yeah. nal is a cylindrical tower so it is a burjnal and yeah. that's literally what it is it's a circular tower uh, which is a fortification yes. and these fortifications were actually built by the british and the british uh, in their wars against napoleon had come across this kind of a tower in mm. uh, along the i do and i'm trying to say where exactly they had come across this but it was a place called uh, uh, mortella point okay uh, along okay. the spanish coast okay i i think it was along the spanish coast and they uh, they and they found that this 
this was a very strongly fortified place, even though it was a very small circular tower. Uh, so they had built, they had started building these along the English coastline as well. And when Delhi's fortifications, they strengthened in the early part of the 19th century, they added a few martel. And they, of course, mispronounced it and called it martello instead of mortella, but martello towers. So these were made in Delhi. And uh, you can see this over here. Yeah, great. So that, that's, that's, that was also a nice... Uh, I mean, I when you wander through Delhi and you see these things, you just see them. I mean, you know, you think, okay, it's part of... At some point, somebody made it. But then finally, when you discover what exactly it is, it, you know, it's like it gives you a buzz. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. What about the darwazas? Let's talk about the darwazas. You know, the many darwazas of the city. Yes, yeah. uh, it was a walled city at a time when the wall actually served a purpose, which mm. was to serve as a sort of a barrier between the city inside and the life outside. And uh, the darwazas are the main gates. You can also see khidkis. There are some yes. khidkis marked out also. And yes. these are really the entry points into and out of the city. And they used to be closed at night. And uh, uh, so much so that people, when they used to travel out, particularly when they traveled in the summer, they needed to... Uh, leave the city very, very early because, you know, it's hot. So you want to uh, uh, cover as much of your journey as possible in the very early hours. So people used to yes. leave in the very early hours of the morning. So people actually used to have to leave the city, come outside and stay in a sarai oh. the previous evening. So then they could leave early enough because the door, gate would not be open for them. Oh. So these were, uh, so the darwaza was a very, very important uh, thing before 1857. After 1857, they deliberately destroyed all the darwazas or at least their connections to the walls so that mm. uh, the city could no longer be defended against people from outside. So that change took place. But the darwaza was a very important uh, landmark of that time. So mm. uh, yes, those darwazas are all there. So they had to do all this planning if they wanted to go anywhere outside the city walls. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And in fact, uh, we have some, uh, we have anecdotal evidence and not only anecdotal evidence, uh, you know, in some of the uh, accounts of the mushairas that used to be held, those poetic ga gatherings of poets that used to be held also in the old Delhi college, which mm. in those days used to be just outside the city gate in uh, what is we call Ajmeri gate today. Yes. Right outside okay. the Ajmeri gate was this, uh, there, today the Anglo-Arabic college is, uh, yes. Anglo-Arabic school is located in that building. And they used to have these mushairas at night and mushairas typically used to go on quite late. So there yes. used to be special uh, permission used to be taken from the Kotwal or whoever it was who was in charge of the city police to say that, you know, people will be returning after this mushaira. So uh, the gate should be opened. And talking about the Kotwal, that particular African Kotwal, yeah. so, and he's a Siddhi. He's a Siddhi from... Yes, yes. Patak Habsh Khan is... Uh, ah, ah. Right, so you were talking about the Siddhi Kotwal. So, you know, let's talk about him. He seems... And, you know, this is one thing I I realized while I was reading the book. Is that there's so many of these characters who emerge. I mean, there are these uh, tradesmen and, you know, these uh, money lenders and these rich gen. You know, the Bagicha of Munna, the gardener. And I was thinking, wow, you know, Munna must have been a great gardener if, like, he's got a place on a map, you, you know. So I loved things like that about the book. But let's talk about the Kotwal. Uh, so Siddhi Kotwal was a Kotwal from the 18th century. He is not really of this period when the map is made. But obviously his house, the gateway that led into what used to be his house, is a major landmark. And that name, in fact, still survives. Huh? So Bhatak Habsh Khan is still a place in oh. Delhi, uh, right next to Khari Bauli. It's right. It's still there. So he was, of course, he was very important because Habsh Khan, as the word itself, his name was, he was, he's known as Sidi Kasim. So Kasim mm -hmm. was his name. Uh, Sidi mm -hmm. is uh, also a term that is applied to people of African descent in India. Yes. And uh, Habsh Khan, Habsh Khan, again, is a title that he was given by the uh, I presumably by the Mughal emperors themselves. Uh, Habsh, uh, Habshi is 
really literally abyssinian okay the word literally means abyssinian though in uh, in india it was applied to africans in general okay so therefore habs khan uh, you know uh, an important african was given that title and they were often in the military so they played uh, occupied important positions in the military and this man was uh, kothwal uh, the head of the police of yes. delhi and therefore uh, obviously an important person and had a big haveli and therefore this gateway leading into that haveli was named after him uh, they incidentally the uh, people of uh, african descent uh, were also eunuchs who often were in charge of the royal harems Oh, so this Nazir so, would have been uh, African. Yes, yes, yes. I yes. see. Uh, not, uh, not in. I think oh. often they were of African descent. Oh, they were I eunuchs, see. but often of African descent, and uh, so the African, the the eunuchs whose quarters you see in the port yes. in this map. You know the the Nazir Kichoki and the Nazir yeah. ka Varadari yes, and all that. These are yeah. all. Uh, Africans, uh, all, they were. Oh, I see. And that was a very powerful position, right? I mean, yes, it was. And yes, uh, it may not have been that they were invariably of African descent, but definitely the position of the chief eunuch of the harem was a very important part position. In fact, in certain times in history, uh, they had played very important roles. For instance, in the middle of the 18th century, when you have Ahmad Shah, the Mughal emperor, on the throne. Uh, the chief eunuch Javed Khan, he mm-hmm. and uh, Ahmad Shah's mother Kunsiya Begum, they were really the power behind the throne. Mm-hmm. So uh, these uh, eunuchs were very important to the mm-hmm. state state system also often. And uh, yeah, and like you know, when I'm just looking at it, all the social interactions and all. In some places, it seems like very incestuous. Somebody's son is married to somebody else's daughter. They all know each other, and I could imagine, you know, imagine like uh, old Delhi being this hotbed of gossip, <laughs> and you know, all sorts of things. I mean, it emerges. I'm I'm sure it was like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, one of the example, good examples of that is the whole interconnected clan of. Uh, Kasim Khan and his mm-hmm. brother Arif Khan. Kasim Khan and Arif Khan, who have this great. Uh, in fact, there's a thana uh, Kasim Khan, Guzar Kasim Khan, mm-hmm. which it, it gives a name to the whole thana, and a major <laughs> street even today uh, mm-hmm. is named after uh, Kasim Khan. And mm-hmm. their descendants and several family members, they all have their havelis. Over there, and you can, uh, you know, you can see there are grandsons and uh, uh, brothers, and you know, all those interconnected family. In fact, that was the family from which uh, the poet Ghalib's wife also belonged yes, to that same yes, family. Yes. So that is a very. They are uh, in what is today known as Balimara, uh, that area. Oh, okay, Balimara. Okay. Most people will be familiar with Balimara. So it's yes. right next to Balimara. parts of balimara where they had their havelis so uh, you know i've tried to uh, make those connections as well as to who these people really are yeah yeah and uh, it must have been i mean even if but it still seems very uh, like lots of different communities and all interconnected and all i mean not very different from what it is today perhaps what do you think oh oh definitely i think you are quite right and in fact i think what it really shows us is you know we're talking about a city before you have very clear uh, national boundaries yes right? today yes. we have uh, you know think about a period in which there are there are military men who are staying there who are portuguese there the kothwal yes. of incidentally uh, it's not really rele- quite relevant to this map but Uh, i have mentioned this in uh, the broken script which was that the kothwal during uh, the maratha period in delhi was a frenchman yes yes so, you know you have uh, this this kind of uh, cosmopolitanism that is there uh, not only in the city that people are living there but they are they have these important positions because that that whole idea nobody holds a passport really yeah. <laughs> to say what is your citizenship <laughs> Your citizenship yeah. is where you've come and settled Fluid. down, and where you work, live, and work. That's yeah. your citizenship. You are there. Yeah. So, yes. uh, 
so so and therefore you have to look at the city very differently yeah and the, this man is a, a lovely i think he's the one who's really whose ancestors eventually i mean whose descendants hey this ahmed bakhsh khan beautiful portrait of his and one of yes. his descendants marries ghalib right yes I, in fact yeah. it, it's his it's his niece his niece yeah. was married to ghalib and he's from bukhara <laughs> from from it these sort of insights you know i think yes i mean of course a lot of these insights don't emerge from the map itself mm. which can only about tell us gives us give us names and locations place yes. names yes and it is uh, from those place names those places uh, that i have drawn from various other texts the background of all these people so it is really the drawing together of various textual sources and this map and other maps and paintings and things like yes. that that this whole complex picture uh, emerges but i thought that this was a good occasion to bring all those things together because mm-hmm. what brings you know i look at it also as somebody who does walks in the old city Mm-hmm. I lead heritage walks there. I've been leading yes. heritage walks there for mainly for intact for many years, and mm-hmm. I think a place becomes relevant only when we look at all these histories and the layers, and uh, it, it, that's what brings the place alive to us. Also, to realize yes. that my God, these are the places; these are the people who are connected to them. This is yeah. these are historical events that have happened here. So that I think uh, it was a great opportunity for me to draw all these things together mm-hmm. and talk about the city through the map. And you know, you speak about the newspapers and the you know how the the role that they played even in broken script. But here uh, again, you know, we see a ch- chap khana, i.e., printing press in. छापाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाखानाख
the reason why I found it necessary to talk about him or even mention him was that it, it's it's interesting that the Bagh is not named after the uh, somebody who has founded it or laid yeah. it out or maybe owns it, but the person who is the major presence in that garden, yeah. the yeah. Bhagavan, the gardener. So yeah. uh, I thought that was it was interesting to note that these kind of naming happens. So I was talking about another uh, book that I. Uh, uh, had worked on, which was Serol Manazil. And that mm-hmm. has this, uh, it talks about a gully. In fact, that gully is still there, just off Dariba. It's called mm-hmm. Gully Kanjas. Yeah. And that Gully Kanjas, uh, Serol Manazil, that book tells us that this Gully Kanjas is actually named after a halwai. Uh, who's a, I mean, you know, a, a guy who makes mithai. You know, wow. it's named after Halwai, Gali Kanjas. Was his name Kanjas? Uh, that is what Serol Manazil tells us, Kanjas. Mm. And that name <laughs> is still there in the this thing, it's called Kanjas. So, oh. Gali Kanjas, there's a Halwai called Kanjas who is there. And uh, so, you know, these are these little uh, details that emerge which are very... Mm. And that Gudwala family, who's actually... The Gudwala. Yeah. Gudwalas yes. were a very important business family. Uh, the family is still there. Oh, family is still there. They still call Gurdwala. And uh, they have, I think they have property in that area still. So wow. the family, family Havelis and all are still there. So Gurdwalas were a very important uh, business family of that period. Wow, that's fascinating that their descendants are still there. I mean, yes. you know, <laughs> usually, <laughs> I mean, people get dispersed and, you know, though another family is the, the Bangash family that you mentioned still, I mean, yeah. isn't Am- Amjad Ali Khan or they're from that family, I think, right? Because they affix Bangash to their names. Yeah, I, I must say I'm not very familiar with that. But, mm. you know, one thing that happened in, has happened in the case of Delhi, the kind of upheavals and turnovers in population that we've had in 1857, in 1947, uh, affected, disproportionately affected a sort of uh, predominantly Muslim service intellectual class Mm. or nobility or landed nobility, the service elite, the intellectual elite, particularly Muslims. It it affected those categories. So, in fact, the business families have been uh, have had a greater continuity, Ooh. even though uh, you know, in the sense that they their businesses continued mm. even after 1857. 1857 yes. disproportionately, uh, the British discriminated against the Muslims. Mm. It was a policy that they adopted. So many of the British families. That's the reason why we still see them, and we still see them in Shah Jahanabad even today, like the Jain because families. Yes, they were not affected that much by the disruption, whereas uh, many of the Muslim families migrated in 1857 also, and in 1947, of course, quite a few of them. Yeah, so you you mean to say those Jain families are still like the same, you know, their, their descendants... Yes, I mean, of course, often they go off into different professions and yeah. not, uh, some of them are in business, some of them have gone into professions. So so those kind of things happen, those changes happen. But, uh, mm. the, but the presence is still... Yeah. Yes. Wow. It's quite... And um, so these fo- these pictures were all selected by uh, uh, Pramod Kapoor and Sneha Pamneja, were they? Uh, yes, of course. I mean, I pointed them to some of them. Like, for instance, you know, one of the uh, merchants, Sagunchan. So there is one thing to see a court of Bahadur Shah Zafar, but to be able to identify specific people in there. How did you do that? Because it is actually labeled. Their names are actually there on their robes, if you look carefully. Ooh. So I read this painting very carefully and I saw that this was Sagunchand. And then I said, this is Sagunchand. Let's have a portrait of him there. Because... You know, these kind of things are unusual. We often Mm. see the nobility, the princes, the uh, uh, emperors, of course, you have you have lots and lots of them, but you don't have these kind of people otherwise. So, uh, you know, therefore, this was an interesting thing to do. Yeah. And, And these people were very important. They were the money behind all this, right? Absolutely. So to actually see his face and say, oh, this this was a person who was financing all this. Yes. <laughs> That's quite amazing. So tell me, what was the most um, challenging thing about this book for you? This is a standard question. Of course, reading all the inscriptions, translating them, all that is hard work. But really, the most challenging thing, if I were to say, is it's a from a design point of view, it's a nightmare. 
because i'll tell you you mm-hmm. have to you have to you i, I try to put in as many english transcriptions of uh, labels that i could so mm-hmm. as many as i could transcribe i have put it in the roman script now mm-hmm. where to where exactly to place that i'm not the designer so there's somebody who's actually putting that in physically when i i've marked it on one paper and then they are putting it in and then we are trying to figure out ke acha let us move it a little closer i want the original ex- and and i had absolutely uh, unreasonable demands because i wanted that you have to put that english label but you can't completely cover the original label also because i want people to be able to read the original if they want to and mm-hmm. sometimes there's also a number because the cross referencing with the text is through numbers and i the number also and it mustn't so hide the building that we are talking about <laughs> so they were like madam you kaha where i put this from that point of view it's a it's a designer's nightmare so you know uh, sneha and uh, <laughs> the design team uh, all uh, <laughs> you know uh, all respect for uh, they having taken this uh, huge <laughs> amount of pains to make this uh, at all legible but uh, and in the end i said or we we said we decided that we will have this pull out map inside the yeah, book which will be pristine Yes. It will be pristine. We will not put any labels or numbers or anything on it. One, there should be one map which people can just look at and say, "This is the original map," you know, mm-hmm. in, its, in its pure form. Yeah. So we did that, and then yeah, and, and you know, I'm quite fascinated that I mean, we maps have their beauty, but these are like really beautiful maps, you know. I mean, you really want to hang them, frame it, and hang it up on your wall, you know. Mm. that's exactly what i've done actually it my uh, i have very little space on my walls because my walls are covered with books and prints and things like that but i managed to find a place uh, on a staircase and i've put it there so that i going up and down the stairs i can see it all the time <laughs> okay great <laughs> and on that note we'll uh, we'll end though we can keep talking you know <laughs> so for 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 the listeners go and get shahjana bath mapping a mughal city by swapna little it is a lovely book it's lovely to look at and it's um, full of information and you know uh, and it makes makes the old city of delhi kind of it adds more layers to it if you if you like wandering around the city you will get much from this book and even if you are unfamiliar with the city it still is very rich because um, there's so much information in it so thank you so much swapna for talking to me thank you so much manjula it was a great pleasure as always thank you Okay. Bye. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.